Good. If you've been coming a while, we're in our week three of uh, Make Room. And today we're talking about sanctification. And I'll tell you what, it means, the word means set apart. And you get to see people, we've been set apart to do special things, to go to Africa, do a lot of things that God calls us to do. And we're going to actually look at that, how the Holy Spirit is connected to our sanctification, us being set apart to do something. Everything I always say, all of us can't go, but all of us can help sin. But I think a lot more can go, especially next year when we start getting these trips rounding up some more. Been an amazing year, how many trips we've been on, and I know the new trip list will be coming out. Jump on it. You don't have to have any money. You don't have to have any um, special skill. All you need is a passport and $35 in faith. That will guarantee you a trip. You got to step out. So when we talk about today making room, last few weeks we uh, talked about a Holy Spirit as a person. Last week we talked about experiencing the outpouring. Today we want to talk about experiencing sanctification. Now it's a famous word. It's one of those words that I never hear this too much unless you're in school. But sanctification means this. In the Greek it means holiness. It means to make someone holy, to make holy. And basic, the basic meaning of sanctification is to be set apart for the use intended by God himself. Be set apart. Think about it. For the use intended by God. That's what it is. And here's the greatest thing about this is your takeaway. If you're trying to figure out what sanctification is and how we ought to live our lives empowered by the Holy Spirit. God gives what he commands. God gives what he commands. I'm going to unpack that. When you talk about the Holy Spirit, how much more do we need the Holy Spirit to do the things he called us to do? We have a lot of commands. He calls us to love. He gives us love through the fruit of the Spirit to carry out that command. Now, here's the greatest thing. We got to realize we have to tap into that, which he wants to give to us. When we say, no, he doesn't exist, or we think this is not for today, you Cut yourself short and you want walking in works versus in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we need the Holy Spirit for everything. If you have your Bibles, we're going to Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. And this is the one of these gripping letters. If you have a chance to read the book of Galatians, read it. It's a raw letter. This is Paul when he was he planted his church. And he, they were like his kids. There was like his family. And some people came in and told him what was taking place didn't really happen. And he's really passionate about this, this, this book. It's one of the first or second epistles that was ever written. But this is one of the churches that he planted and set up. And he was very passionate when you read this about what's going on. Verse 3, I mean, chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. We have it on the board. If not, we also have it on Bible app, um, all our sermons and our life group notes. It says this, old foolish Galatians. Now, he's not calling them quite stupid. He's calling them ignorant of what? Is really true. Who has bewitched you? Basically, who's put a spell on you? Who has convinced you of one thing? Where is this mystical thing that's changing in your heart? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. He said this, let me ask you only this. You only this. Did you receive the spirit by works or by the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, or now being perfected by the flesh? Heavenly Father, I ask in this moment, open up our eyes by your Spirit to see what you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Like I said, it's a passionate letter. 
This is some of the great writing from Paul. If you get to chapter 5, he gets a lot more deeper in what he's talking about. What he's talking about here, basically, the Galatians were won over by Jesus Christ. They were, they were, Jesus was preached to them. The gospel was preached to them. They got saved, and then they had a group called the Judaizers came in and told them, no, you're not saved. To be saved, you need to be circumcised. You need the gospel and, the gospel and. And they start to fall for it. And they start to live out this life apart from the spirit by trying to do it by the law. Now, there was 613 articles in the law. How does that work? Now, this is the way he was looking at and the way he was saying it. Uh, this is a famous guy. We see him on TV. He's a Christian. Uh, Nick Wallander. He is a he walks a he walked a tightrope. I'm not sure if we have a picture of him. Did we? Did y'all transfer the pictures? There you go. He walked across the Grand Canyon. He walked across Niagara Falls. He's done it so well. He's done it on Fox News. He's done it on Fox Special. No one thought he can do it. Every time he walks across, he's praying in tongues. He's praying. He's praying. He's praying. He does that. He's an amazing guy. He's nice, nice children, nice family. Now I want you to have your imagination going. Suppose his son decided to ride on his back while he was doing that, which would have been easy for Nick. It's very easy. He's done it before. Now, suppose his son is on his back, and he's halfway through, and he tells his dad, Dad, I, want, I don't trust you any longer. I'm going to get off, and I'm going to do this myself. And you can imagine Nick's response. That is Foolish. Well, that's what Paul's saying. You started with the Holy Spirit. And now you want to finish in the flesh. Why? Because God gives what he commands. God gives what he commands. I got a question for you. Your life in God, is it grace-driven or guilt-driven? Is it grace-driven or guilt-driven? I've been noticing, just looking at our believers today, we're not excited. We think life is tough, and we are like, like we got this arm and hammer, and we're beating things, and like, what is going on when we're the ones that have everything we ever need? Blessed with every spiritual blessing. But it seems like we're working things out so tough that we're having such an issue with things. Are you... Grace-driven, excuse me, are you grace-driven or are you guilt-driven? There's a famous TV show host. Had a famous quote. She had set up to do special things. In fact, she started down this aisle of, of weight loss and sold a lot of books. Did a lot of books, sold them, and everyone started going to that book and start doing this diet. Next thing you know, this diet didn't look like it was working on her anymore. And she said something that a lot of us might not say, but I think we, we um, struggle with it. Because when you're walking by your flesh, you're walking in your own strength. This is what she said. I let myself down. You feel like, I let myself down. I try hard. I just let myself down. 
And she felt guilt and shame. You ever feel guilty and shame because you might have messed up today or you made a mistake today and we just crash on this mistake. And we write our lives on, on our own talent. I let myself down. And then we can come to church. You know, I feel so, I feel so shameful. I don't want to lift my hands and worship. I feel so guilty. But you forgot how much salvation meant. It means not guilty. And he gave us the greatest gift we can have, repentance. See, every God commands, he gives it to us. So I'm going to unpack this. What's happening with the Galatians church. They kind of forgot that Ephesians 2.8 says, by, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God. Grace absorbs our guilt and our shame. God's grace absorbs our guilt and our shame. Because you say, I'm not good enough. I'm not better enough. Well, I can't go on a trip because I'm not smart enough. Who said that? Who said that? Holy Spirit saying you can go any trip you want to or desire. Whatever he wants you to be, he'll make you be in that moment. That's what makes it so fun. Because you didn't think you can do it. Grace exalts our guilt. Let me tell you about the gospel. See, it's not an invitation for us to do anything, but a declaration of what has been done. It's not an invitation. Do you got to work out your... No, 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 no. You don't work to get saved. Now there's some working out your own salvation. We'll get to that. It's not a demand, but an offer. Receive the grace. Receive salvation. Now, Paul, when he got a hold of this, he was very upset about it. How they talk you out of it. So he wanted them to do two things. Paul wanted the Galatians to vividly remember two things. That's what I want to get you today. I want you to vividly remember two things when you're trying to work in your own strength. And you're trying to work it out to make God proud of you. God's so proud of you, that's why he sent his own begotten son. Yeah. He had more faith in us than we do in ourselves sometimes. Because he wouldn't send something, he wouldn't send somebody for trash. Just how much he loves us, right? So the first thing he said, you know, the first thing you gotta do if you take a note, your new life in Christ began by the power of the Holy Spirit. It began by the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, Are you so foolish having begun by the Spirit? What it is, the Spirit's initiation and conversion. I remember when I stood up to receive Christ, I didn't want to do it. I don't know why I did it. Something and said, get up. I'm like, get up. Why? And I'm fighting. I got up. Yeah. And they said, well, you're going to come back to church. My body said, no. These people are weird. They don't even clap right. They got no soul, no rhythm. What are you going to do, Rich? I'm, I'm not coming back. And then what happened? Came out of my mouth. I'm coming back. <laughs> Who do you think did that? The Holy Spirit. See, we're not even good enough to initiate it. He initiated, and then there's a conversion process of it. And we kind of forget. Man, when you first got, now think about it. Man, when you first received God, when you first got born again, how excited were you? You couldn't wait to tell anybody and everybody. Then we get older and then we don't want to tell nobody anything. Right? How it's like, oh my gosh, I know where I was. I remember walking in and all my sin and all my mess. And then I get born again. I'm like, I am so wretched. My mind was, oh, I was in, oh boy. I was confused. I'm starting looking at myself. Whoa, 
You're horrible. Who said that? But you're not too horrible for me to save you. Because I used to be the one, if y'all go in this church, you know the ceiling's going to fall down on me? No, it's not. No, it's not. That's on you. Began. That's what he's trying to tell him. Look at Titus 3, 4 and 5 says, but when the goodness and the loving kindness of God, that word loving kindness means loyal love. God's loyal to his love. Of our Savior appeared, he what? Saved us. Not because of the works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, which is love, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Now, the regeneration by the Holy Spirit comes in in a moment, and, and there's a new birth, a new nature automatically. And who's doing it? The Holy Spirit. That's how excited you were. Where's our excitement today? You forgot. He said, remember, Galatians, don't let somebody talk you out of it. In fact, don't let anybody say, well, your excitement, it'll wear off. Oh, no, it never wears off. Now, unless I, now I have something to do with it. Personally, why would it wear off? Unless I start to believe something and read something that isn't true. Now, re- renewal, I love God doesn't just um, restore old, build something new. So you're a new, gener- you're a new person, Christ. Now, renewal means transform mind. Like I was saying, my mind was transformed into more like the way God was thinking versus the way I was thinking. And when I started seeing the way God was thinking, and I saw the way I was thinking, I'm like, man, there's a gap. There's a big gap. And then my eyes start to see what God sees versus what I saw. Because you never see society how it is. You always see how you are. That's why you need to pray every day so you understand what you're seeing. So I'm to Peter. Peter got, you know, Jesus <laughs> anointed, said, Peter, upon this rock. Remember that guy? Peter's like, yeah, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. And he was pointing to Peter. He's pointing out something else. Peter, I can see Peter right now. Leader. Jesus comes out and says, hey, um, I'm going to die. Peter said, oh, no. And he said, he re- how do you rebuke God, bro? How do you rebuke? You're a bad boy. You're going to rebuke God. He's going to rebuke Peter. He's going to rebuke Jesus. Matthew 16. I'm not making it up. He goes, and Jesus stands up and says, now, he says, get behind me, Satan. I'm like, you call me Satan? You could have called me stupid and it wouldn't have been that bad. Right? Call me idiot. Okay, get behind me, Satan? Whoa, that's deep. And you stand in front of all the fellas. Call me Satan. I went from leader to Satan in five minutes. Here's the key word. Not in five minutes, three seconds. Here's the key thing that happened. He said this, Peter, you're thinking as a way of man, not thinking of the way of God. So when you hear the world's gone, you're thinking of the way of man, 
that's going to happen today. I want everyone today, about 12, when we get out of church today, you start praying today in your house about what's going to happen in D.C. We had a team of people praying all weekend about the white nationals coming to D.C. We want that thing to be extinguished, but we don't want anybody to be hurt. Okay? That's what life looks like without Jesus. They don't know who you, you don't know who you are, so you want to suppress everyone who's below you. You don't know anything. But at the cross, everything's level. So we want the cross to be brought into that mess. Right? And it, it feel, there's feelings you'll have, but you've got to pray those out. Okay? Because you've got to see how people really are. They're helpless and harassed without a shepherd. That's, right. That's what it looks like. Okay? So, really, the things of man versus God. Guys, you can't think like man and then walk with God when you have the Holy Spirit to transform your mind on a daily basis. Now, one of the things we get caught up in when we uh, have um, talking about uh, being transformed by the Holy Spirit, we get caught up and we forget some things. We get, when, we, when we get nervous about a walk with God, Ephesians 1.13 says this, In him also you heard the word of what? Truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him was sealed with the promise of Holy Spirit. Now, the word sealed means protected and owned. When they used to put a seal on all day, they protected. You are owned by someone. But here's a guarantee that we're going to heaven. How many of you ever felt like, I don't think I'm going to heaven? Who told you that? You sealed. And I heard that. I, was, I had this written in my notes, and I had on, on a life group on Thursday night, and a nice young man reminded me of it. It's amazing. I call him, I call him young. He's young in the spirit. But it's amazing. Right? Sealed. You've been sealed. You don't have to be guilty. You've been sealed. Now, but there's a big gap from what happened to me and where I'm at. That's what we, we struggle with, which takes you to the next point. It says this. It's a big gap that we deal with. It says this. You'll be perfected by the Holy Spirit. See, whatever God starts, he finishes. I love, I love, uh, I love Philippians 1.6. says this, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, say me, Amen. will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Now, he's going to begin a work in you, which was sanctification right away. Now you have a new position. I'm getting ahead of my notes. And now you got to walk it out. Okay. Sanctification, you've been sanctified, now you got to walk it out. Now, here's the thing. When we're perfected by the Holy Spirit, not perfected by rules, not by the law, because you'll let yourself down. Okay, let me ask you a question. Now you don't have to raise your hand. How many are still working on or still in your New Year's resolution? If you raise your hand, you know you're lying. You might have been reminded of it the other day, but was it consistently from January 1st? This is a new me, right? How long does that last, especially in the gym? Six weeks? You hire, you hire uh, a workout coach for about six. That's all you can afford to pay him, right? Um, I don't see no difference. I'm going back. Now, here's my New Year's resolution. My blood pressure needs to stay at a certain size. My sugar needs to be down so I can eat cake. Very easy to achieve. Very easy to achieve. Okay, I, 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 you know, I got high goals. I like sweets. So I have to make, right. 
Amen. So y'all need to bring me some cake next week. Y'all, amen. That's the only time I get an amen. That means so be it. So start bringing it. Okay. All right. Okay. Let me go. <laughs> now, I love 1 Corinthians 6, 11. It says this. As such with some of you, and he talks about this is the end of when he says, all these things, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. You got to go into 6, 10, 9 to 10. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. Now, how does God do that? How many love Romans 8, 29, 8, 28? We let all things work together according to those who are loved, who are called according to whose purpose? So he may do what he pleases. Why? Because 829 says this, for those he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. How many know being conformed is not comfortable? How many know because you think you're okay when the Bible says you're not? You think I have a great love and then you start reading it. Oh, I am nowhere near it. Yeah. I'm good. I'm good. I'm, no, you're never good until you see, until you see Jesus. It's an ever, and that's what that's sanctification. When you look at the word sanctification, there's three aspects of it. The first one that got talked about, positionally, you have a new birth. It happens in the moment of salvation. It's great. We celebrate that. But we forget the second part of it. First one's position. Second one's progressive. It means growth. You are progressively separated from the world, separating from the world and becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. Know what I call it? You do it by practice. You pray. You read your word. You serve. You don't know you're selfish until you become someone in first impressions. I didn't know I was selfish or I didn't have love until I told a saint, can you move over, move over two spots? And he said, I'm not moving over at all. Now, love had to find its way to me. But it didn't have to look more because, again, God gives what he commands. It's the fruit of the spirit. How are you going to exercise patience? Anybody in the waiting period? What? Fruit of the Spirit. It's not even mine. Patience. Now, we don't like that word, but he's going to work it out in us to look more like Christ. That is what we call him. You're sanctified, but you're being sanctified. So you can't live like any way you want to. Free. I'm a Christian now. I can do nothing. No. I can just listen to podcasts. No. Going to be more like Christ. Christ didn't sit in the chairs all day. He said, I came to serve and not to be what? Not to become consumer-based, committed-based. Because as you're serving, you're growing. You didn't know you had something until you go on a mission trip. No one shows up on the mission trip when the pressure's on. And God, oh, yeah, I'm conforming. I'm working. Sanctification is not comfortable. So I've heard a few people go through it. Can I tell you about growth? Here's a way you can test your growth. If you're still excited about what you did five years ago, you haven't grown. Because we have a habit to build a church, a museum. Oh, I remember when it's on. I remember, I remember, and it's on the walls. You remember, but you were never involved. And we'll go find someone else's new house. Hey, I, remember, I see what you guys are doing. You're not part of that either. 
Back in the day, you know, back in the day, what about today? That's how growth is. And it's not comfortable. But God sees something in you, he wants to squeeze out of you. We're able to see how they produce olive oil. And a nice round deal, and this rock. You want the best of you? How many want? I want the best of me. No one raises their hand. It's going to squeeze it out of you. Because we don't grow in comfort. That's why persecution is God, is, is, is the church's best friend. Because when they're persecuting, that's when they spreads. So the last one is the ultimate was completely set apart for God in heaven. Now, we're going to be judged at the end of our days for every word we, every either word we say and every action we did or didn't do. Okay? And in those areas, if, you, if you're not a uniter and you're a separator of the church, you're going to be judged on that. Make sense? Last one is he said you're justified. Everyone say not guilty. What well, justification is what it is. It's a legal term. It means you've been declared righteous because of God's, because of Jesus' work on the cross. You've been declared righteous, right standing with God. You couldn't do it. You couldn't work your way into it. You were declared righteous. Now, all those things, again, why? Because God gives what he commands. I don't want you struggling, trying to work it out. Let him work it out in you. That means you go to places that's not comfortable, but he's going to work it out in you. That's why he sends you there. That's why he puts you there. To be conformed. Everyone say conformed to the image of Christ. Now, how do you do this, Pastor Rich? How do you go about doing this? Well, the first thing you got to do is surrender to God's will. You got to surrender to God's will. Philippians 2.13 says, For it's God who works where? In you, both to will and to work for his who? Not my good pleasure. Now, he'll work it out that even his good pleasure is your pleasure. Like I love what Pastor John said, not my spoon, but the ladle. I came into church with a spoon. Now, if you're still on a spoon, you haven't grown. It's about everyone else. It's others first, Philippians 2. Works in you to will and to work for his, he's working in you. Don't fight against him. What does God's work change? It changes my affections for things. It changes everything when he's working in me. What I thought was I wanted <laughs> is waste now. What Paul said, you know all the accomplishments I have? I call it dung. And, you know, he put it nicely in Philippians, but it dung? Philippians 3. So I may attain to the, resur- to the resurrection of Christ. So I may attain. I leave all that stuff behind. He was very proud. First he had a past of things he wasn't, he was so, pop- he was so happy about. Then he had a, a past that he had all these achievements. He said, you know, that achievement is nothing until Christ got on me and I started to move forward. He's working. He, put, he changed Paul from a murderer to a chance planner, planner church planner. God's not a respecter of people. Well, Pastor Rich, how do you do this? It's one word 
always want to share with you. How do I surrender? I love doing accounting. Because whatever you plus up, you have to minus out. Makes sense when you do your checkbook. The uh, prophet John had the perfect formula. John was winning crowds and people to Jesus. I mean, getting them baptized and he planned the way for Christ to show up. His ministry was striving. It was going like crazy. John, you're the superstar. You're the superstar. Jesus shows up. And they start asking, well, this guy's out baptized, he's out doing all. He said this one thing that we all need to understand. I'm glad you said the spoon and the ladle. John 3.30 says this. He must increase. I must, but I, but I must decrease so he can increase. We have to decrease in all our ambitions, in all our way. Even I learned something when I was in Israel. I'm stopped saying I'm living the dream. I'm living God's dream. God put me all the way here from New York City. If I were planted myself, I wouldn't be having the fun I'm having now. Think about where your life is. You want more of God? He's given us all he wants. But do you want more of him? That means you got to decrease you, you, what you like, your affections, what you think is okay, and let him increase through the Holy Spirit. Why? God gives what he commands. You want more love? He's going to give you that. But I hold it. Everything is a gift of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. It's not even my gift. It's not even my fruit. It's his fruit that I got to display out to other people. He must become greater in me his work and his fruit. And here's what it is. I must become less in my authority and my popularity. Because I mean, no, Jesus was not a popular guy after the seven chapters. <laughs> he was so popular because he was doing all the things they wanted him to do. But when he started turning the table and said, this is what I need you to do, uh, I got to leave. Don't, leave. Don't we leave when we say we want you to do something? He knew that was going to be divisive. All his disciples left out. He said this, you going to leave me too? Let's all stand. God gives what he commands. In the subject of the Holy Spirit, I know it's very divisive in, in our town. I was talking to Pastor John the other day. There's certain towns that you live in, you got, we got to exegete our town. Pretty much, we're like the uh, Sermon on the Mount. You heard it said, you thought, you saw this displayed, you thought this was this, but this is what Jesus says. That's what we are, where we teach. Um, it can be divisive. Some people believe, some people don't. But here's the thing, that uh, when Jesus was uh, restoring Peter in John chapter 21, I think verse 15, it's been messing with me the whole time. He said this, Peter, do you love me more than these? And what he was looking at, those guys, they caught nothing, fish, and 150, the biggest catch they ever had was breaking the nets. He said, do you love me more than these? Your past? Do you love me more than your belief in yourself? 
Do you love me more in your own philosophy of life? Do you love me? See, the question is, should I convince anybody that the Holy Spirit is real? Do you love Jesus not more? Do you love him more than your own opinion? Right? Because we think our opinion is real. But the gospel is real. And Jesus didn't write stuff for us to say, chuck it. He wrote it for us to be empowered by it. Don't walk in guilt and shame. You're so valuable to even know. I mean, we have the greatest car on the planet. He gives us what he commands us to do. How many need some joy? <laughs> why do you, you get rid of it? Access it. God, give me some joy back. How about confidence? He said, I'll throw it away. Where'd it go? I got to go pick up my confidence. We got to go pick up my confidence. I'm not going to pick it up on Sunday. I got to pick it up on Monday when I really need it. Right? You, have, you need that confidence so you can stand. And you need, how many love the word endurance? Uh, right? Because you need it to receive the reward. Man, why? I'm sanctifying you to be more like me. You love me more than your own opinion. Let's worship God. Only way we can, we can worship God and walk, not walk in guilt is stay in awe with God. Look when you first got born again and you say, I want to save me. And then he picks me to be a senior pastor. I want to pick me. But well, he's God. He loves you. So let's give him everything he deserves. Let's give him our attention and our worship.